Um, so as Jess said, I'm carrying on our, our series uh, called Blueprint, which is looking at the map of what the church should be like. What does the Bible say church can be? Um, and today I'm talking specifically about God's vision of the church as a family. So we're going to explore what does church as family look like? What are some of the obstacles to living like that? Um, and then how the gospel comes um, and overcomes all those obstacles to make this vision a reality. So let me start by telling you about how my church story began. Uh, I became a Christian when I was about 12 years old, and at the time I did a lot of gymnastics. So I was either at the gym coaching or training pretty much every day. So I became a Christian, and I saw, right, my Christian friends are going to a church. They're going to churches on Sunday mornings. I should probably do that next. But Sunday morning is our main training block. And if you're in the squad, you've got to be there on a Sunday morning, four hours of training. So literally for years, I debated as a young teenager, well, should I give up gymnastics, because there's no point doing it if I wasn't in the squad, and go to a church? Or should I just keep doing gymnastics and, and that'll be okay? Um, and I managed to convince myself quite well that I could do both at the same time. So I would plan, I'd say, right, while I'm swinging around the bars, I'm going to be talking to God. That's what I can do. And then I thought, right, while I'm walking along that beam, I can be sharing the gospel, and we can have a sort of a preach as we're walking up and down the beam. Um, and I even thought I could hurtle towards the vault at full pelt and be singing worship songs whilst I did that. Um, so quite an optimistic plan that never actually happened or came to light. Um, so when I gave up gymnastics at 16, because you basically retire at 16 if you're a gymnast, um, and then I came to uni a few years later and I thought, right, now I'm at university, my Sundays are free, this is the time I'm going to get into church. Um, it'd been a long time coming, so I thought, right, I'm ready for this. First Sunday at uni, let's go to a church. Next Sunday at uni, let's try another one. Next Sunday, let's try another one. And I think I tried every single church in Eastbourne. Anywhere I could walk to from the campus or get a bus to, I would go and explore these different churches on Google, checking out which one I could see next. I had no idea what I was looking for. I was just on this kind of goose chase, going to each of these buildings, going, oh, well, that was quite nice. Yeah, people were friendly. Okay, where shall I go next? I dragged different friends along with me, um, but I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I don't think I'm alone on that journey of trying to discover church, as it were. Maybe like me, you thought, well, we could just go it alone. You know, our relationship is between us and God. Do we really need each other? Uh, maybe like me, uh, you've had experience of using Sunday mornings to reach out to unbelievers. So you think, well, actually, I need those four hours on a Sunday because that's when I hang out with these guys and without me, they're never going to meet Jesus, so I better not go to church. I'm going to be more useful here. That's a good reason not to put church in the diary. Or maybe, like me, you're used to simply trying out lots of different churches um, and waiting for the one that really kind of clicks with you, um, the one that just seems to fit. But the thing about church is that it's not supposed to be another club or society that we belong to, because the blueprint from the Bible for the church is that it's a family so what does this look like? Let's have a look in our Bibles. If you turn to Matthew 12, uh, we're going to read verse 46 to 50, and it will come up on the screen as well. It says this. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside, asking to speak with him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister 
and mother. So here we've got Jesus and his mother and his brother coming to us to speak with him. There's no mention of Joseph here, so we can presume that uh, Joseph passed away sometime between Jesus being about 12 in the temple um, and 30 when he started his ministry. Um, So actually it might have been that Mary and his brother were coming to say to Jesus, we need your help. As the eldest in this family, you need to come and take your role now and be responsible here. And what does Jesus say? Who is my mother and who is my brother? Quite awkward verses. I used to be quite apprehensive, and even in beginning to write this, I kind of avoided this bit and thought, you know what, I'm going to have to talk about this bit here. Um, yeah, even imagine my family, and, and I was thinking, you know, they don't, they don't yet know God, and then if they were to read this passage in the Bible, say, whoa, now the Bible's telling you who are your family, this is your family over here. You know, as a mother or a brother, or a sister, imagine going up and saying, oh, could you just let my daughter know that I need to speak to her? And they go, who is my mum? It's really hard, isn't it? It's a really awkward time. Um, And actually, especially if they were in need, especially if they're saying, Jesus, we need you now to come and take your place here. You know, if we've got difficult circumstances in our own families, it's a really good reason not to get involved in a church family. But actually, there's always good reasons to not pursue God's vision for things, isn't there? There's always excuses and reasons for that. Um, But this morning, let's look at why we should... You see, Jesus sees an opportunity here to reveal something to us. He's not forgotten who his mother is and who his brother, brothers are. And he's not denying his earthly family or his responsibility to them, which is a relief. Um, actually, on the contrary, while he's dying on the cross, he provides for his mother's security. Um, and we can read in the Bible that his mother and his brothers were present in the upper room at Pentecost. So by no means is he saying this doesn't matter. He's not doing that at all. But what is he doing? He's stretching his hand out towards his disciples and saying, here is my mother, here are my brothers. Now Matthew, who wrote this gospel, must have been quite deeply impacted by that gesture of stretching out his hand because he remembered it and wrote it down. And you know, the only other time he wrote about Jesus doing that was when Jesus went to touch the leper. So this gesture of simply stretching out his hand towards someone is actually an expression of acceptance and love and intimacy. So imagine if you were one of the disciples and he did that to you, he stretched out his hand to you and he confesses that he has another family, that his bond with the members of this family is as close and as strong as even the tightest bond with his earthly family. He's saying that you can be a member of his own family, his own brother and sister and mother. You see, Jesus was pointing out that our spiritual relationships are as binding as our physical ones. And he was pointing the way for a new community of believers, the church, a spiritual family, which is all of us. And the Bible shows us more about what this can look like as well. You see, um, in fact, even further in that verse, he says, um, he doesn't stop at saying, you know, these are my disciples, this is my new brother and mother. He actually goes on and says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven, is my brother and sister and mother. And then that's our invitation. Jesus opens up the good news of the promise that we can be counted as an intimate member of his family. And then further on, if we look at Acts, and further on in the the New Testament, we see how the apostles and the early believers lived this out as being family as well. They shared everything they had. It says there was no needy person among them, They met in temple courts together and then in houses to break bread and eat together. 
The church family we read about talked about widows and orphans and caring for them. They just seem to be always in and out of each other's lives and houses. So you can see how this is different. This image um, of uh, the early church being a family is different from a regular society or organization or business. And when Paul actually in the Bible describes the role of elders in a church, um, it's not to keep the church organized. It's not to have an SLT, a senior leadership team or a management in there. Um, It's actually much more of a father figure. See, he tells us to put an elder in each church, that each church has a father in it. Um, The Bible says the elders are to settle arguments, guard and watch over their family, and pray for and teach their family. And that description fits a father, doesn't it? It doesn't fit a boss or a chairman. So we need to start seeing our church as our family, because that's the way God sees it. That's easier said than done. So what are the obstacles that we face at living this out? Even the word family, what does that mean to you? Some of us will sit here and think, yeah, family, lovely word, lovely, caring environment for me. Others of us sit here and think, actually, even that word family is hard for me to hear, and it brings up pain and hurt. Different cultures relate to this in different ways. Um, Even just in Britain, we know how family life has changed over the last century. And um, I was doing some research and found this article, and the title sums it up, I think, for our culture at the moment. The title said, Families, the end, or simply different. And it was a government report into families. And I want to read you two of its main findings. So this is what it found. Number one, there is no such thing as a typical family in 21st century Britain. They are complex and dynamic. And as an institution, families have evolved and adapted constantly to social changes. This is the second finding that it found. Children are born and raised in all manner of circumstances but families continue to be the bedrock of society, providing a wide range of functions throughout life. Now, our church family here in Seaford isn't that different to our own families, is it? I mean, there's kids everywhere. Um, We are made up of extroverts and introverts. I bet on a Sunday morning there's people you naturally gravitate towards, kind of like that favourite aunt or uncle at Christmas. And I wonder if there's people you naturally try to avoid on a Sunday morning like that, least favourite aunt or uncle at Christmas. We've got the early birds who are always here on time. And then you've got, you know, families, perhaps with two little boys who come rushing in and kind of sneak to the front, um, and we're always late. Do you know, I bet there's people part of our family here who feel on the outside of our family, or who feel unnoticed. There's probably people in our family here who feel like the one doing everything, like whoever cooks the turkey at Christmas and they're slaving away in the kitchen while everyone else is having a good time and reaping the benefits of all your hard work. But like that government report said, there's no such thing as a typical family because actually we are complex and dynamic and we are having to adapt and evolve. You know, even in our family here, we have children from all different circumstances. But it also says that families continue to be the bedrock of society So as we build our church family in Seaford based on God's blueprint, imagine if we were the bedrock of Seaford. Imagine if our church family was the base or the heart of our town. And the good news is that no matter what kind of family you come from into this one, a fundamental part of being part of our church is that, or part of a church, is that you receive a mother and a father. 
Um, And that means that everyone is welcome and it matters your history. In Mark 10, it says this. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So whether that's now or in the age to come, these scriptures reveal to us a vision of the church as a family who do the will of God and as a community look out for each other. I remember my first experience of a church like this, of a family, a spiritual family. Um, I went to live in Zimbabwe for six months with four girls that I didn't know. Um, and I look back at that time, it was so shaping and formative, such as a really, you know, a really special time in my life. Um, and for years afterwards, I wondered why. And I thought, is it just sim? Is it just the Zimbabwean culture? I just love it, I want to be there, I want to be one of the people there. Maybe it was that. Maybe that's why I just longed to be back. I used to doodle in my uni lectures about Zim. Maybe it was the mission. You know, we were on mission there as a team. Everything we did was directly for God. There was no distractions, no other jobs that needed to be done. Maybe that's what I missed, just that really, it's kind of easy mission. You didn't have to do anything else. Or do you know what? It was a gap year. Maybe it was just the travel bug. No responsibilities, really. That's what I was craving. And it took me years until quite recently to realize the reason I quite often crave that experience again is because I was part of a spiritual family there. With these four other girls, we were, we were so close. We shared everything we had. You know, when a parcel arrived from the UK with chocolate in it, we would share it, despite it being like gold, because Zim chocolate is horrible. <laughs> but we really were a family, and we grew closer to Jesus because of our relationships with each other. You know, we'd often sit down together and say, how are you doing physically, spiritually, emotionally? We would cry together, we would laugh together. Um, you know, I, I quite often saw myself as the baby of the group. They were kind of, they'd been Christians a lot longer, a lot maturer than I was in Christ. And they taught me things. You know, I saw spiritual gifts for the first time as, as they showed me what it was all about. So yeah, we were a family out there. So the question is, do we view our church here today as our family? Because how we perceive something is often how we treat it. So is church today um, just a habit because it's a Sunday? Is it a requirement as a Christian? Is it a nice place to be? Or do we see church as a family that we're responsible for and we have a part to play in? For some of us, the idea of church being our family is actually quite scary um, because when you get close as a family, masks have to fall off. You can't fake it, you know, forever if you're getting that close to each other. Um, and I remember just after having Joel, I found out that some women in the church had had a, a conversation and they'd said, we need to keep our eye on Polly. And to start with, I was so defensive. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to be the one that's struggling and needs to be kept an eye on. I want to have it all together. And I was like, oh, and I felt really rubbish about it. And it didn't take me long to think, actually, that's my family looking out for me. Those are my mothers in the church mothering me into motherhood. Um, And I'm so grateful that they were around me and praying for me and supporting me. And for many of us who've been a part of families and communities, you might recognize something called the cycle of community. 
and it's going to appear right here. So this, I'm sure, will ring bells with lots of us as you just think about different families and communities you've been a part of, and we can apply it to us here today. So when you first get into a community, you're often at place number one. It's called idealization. It's exciting. Maybe you just became a member of the church. You're making friends. All is good. People are texting you, welcoming you, saving you a seat. Um, But then this often wears off. This buzz seems to disappear. And one of two things might set in. Frustration might set in. People just start to annoy you. Um, They start to maybe make you a bit angry. Somebody might say something that you disagree with. Um, You've just been feeling a bit irritated by people around you. So that's number one. That can happen when you're in idealization. Secondly, fear can set in. Because you realize people are going to begin to see the real you. And the niceties and the pleasantries are done. And actually, you start getting deeper relationships here. So when you're in idealization and fear um, or frustration seem to set in, you go into stage two, disillusionment. It's not all that you thought it was going to be. And then you have two choices. You can either break, you can just leave. You can think, they don't get me, I can't do it, I don't like them particularly. Maybe just, I don't want to do it. And sadly, that's often the trend we see today, isn't it? In family life, it's getting easier to just break um, and leave. And if we're all products of our age, then actually this is quite a challenge for us not to just break, isn't it? This is what we see going on around us. If we go against that, if we don't just follow the trends we see, then we can go into acceptance. We can accept that actually this is a family. This is kind of what family is like. It's usually a little bit dysfunctional. Um, It's full of broken people. So just have a look and think, where would you place yourself today in our family? Maybe in our midweek groups this week, you can have a chat about that. Um, Pray for each other. Be vulnerable and open with each other. Vulnerability makes it a lot harder to actually get around this cycle into acceptance. But it is so worth doing that, isn't it? It's how we get to know each other properly. And if this is something that is challenging, you know, being a family together, how does the gospel make it a reality? Because to an outsider looking in, this doesn't seem like the most regular of families, the most likely. But Jesus makes it possible. Let's read from Ephesians 2 verse 14, and it should appear behind me as well. So this is Paul talking to Jews and Gentiles, um, two groups of people, both guilty of spiritual pride, thinking that they had it right. Uh, They kind of kept clear of each other. Um, But Paul describes um, what Jesus' death actually does to change this. So let's read verse 14. It says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit." Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Couldn't that be written exactly to us? You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, Jesus, we call him the peace, you know, the Bible says he's a peacemaker, he comes to bring peace, but he doesn't say, you're all all right, we can sort this out, we'll just look at everyone's strengths and work out our differences together. Actually, he comes and points out all our sinfulness um, and says that offers his salvation instead. It's only through Christ that we can break down any rules of hostility, um, just disagreements, and come together. Because there are so many barriers, aren't there, that could stop us at being one family. Age, intelligence, social status, our pasts. But Jesus gets rid of those and far more than those, all the barriers, and he unites us as one family. You know, one of the best ways to put Jesus' love into a box is to only be friendly with the people that we like. How much bigger is Jesus' love than that? You see, his cross should be the focus of our unity. So we need to decide that the people sat around us today are going to be our family. We need to trust God's plan on this, his blueprint, because he knows that when we're in community, like this family, we become more like Jesus because we're shaped by the people around us. I'm sure we all know we've been shaped and influenced by our own families. Well, this is a family that can shape us as well. So just before I pray for us at the end... Let me read this quote to you. Um, It says, You cannot enter community as Jesus describes it and not find him. Without community, we might miss the opportunity to meet with Jesus in a deeper way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss that opportunity. Let me just pray for us as a family. Um, And then I think the band are coming back up and we're going to have communion. God, I want to thank you for, uh, for our family. God, I thank you that it's your blueprint, your plan in the Bible that this is how we should exist in this family together. God, I thank you specifically for our Seaford family. God, I pray we would be a family of celebration and thanks, always giving thanks for each other and celebrating what God is doing in our lives. God, I ask that it's a place um, where loneliness doesn't belong. God, I pray you'd help us to be vulnerable with each other, help us to take off the masks and just be real. Um, God, I pray it's a place where um, vulnerability would bring acceptance and love. Um, And God, most of all, I pray that it would be focused on your cross. We don't want to be a well-run business or an organization, God. We want to be a family and one that is looking to do your will. Help us to do this by your Holy Spirit. Amen.